Hey everybody, we are in week two of our follow season. We're just looking at what it means to follow Jesus. You know, Jesus said it this way. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And if you're not a fisherman, you don't really understand that. And the people he was talking to were fishermen by trade. Their career was as fishermen. But what Jesus was saying was just inherently, follow me and I will show you the best way to live. Follow me and you'll find purpose. Follow me, you will find life. Follow me, you will find freedom. And as we learn to follow Jesus, what happens is our life begins to come together. You know, and we kind of kicked this off last week and we kicked it off by talking about three different components of what it meant to follow Jesus. Prayer, fasting, and worship. And ironically, uh, today as I'm speaking this message and teaching this, we couldn't do worship, so we're doing prayer and fasting, but you're also listening to some teaching. Let me talk a little bit about fasting and why that's so important and would love for you to join us in that. You know, fasting is just this practice in the Bible that where we abstain from a meal. Now, people have a lot of different ideas about what fasting is. You know, we'll say I'm fasting from social media, and that's not technically fasting. That's just being an adult. Uh, But uh, it is abstaining or sacrificing something so you can focus on God. And so that's not inherently bad, but it's not fasting as the Bible has it. We go without a meal. So you can go without any number of meals. The way that we're doing it as a church to be able to focus on God is we're missing one meal a day so that we can meet with God. So if, as you take one meal a day that you don't eat and you take that time and you pray, and we're focusing on three different areas of prayer. The first one is that we, we would fully fund our beyond generosity journey. As some of you may know, we're, we're coming to a close on that in April that we've been giving towards this beyond uh, initiative. And we just want to finish strong and fully fund the $8.25 million of expected giving um, that we hope will happen in April. You know, the second thing that we're praying for is that, that our Elevate City campus would find a permanent home. You know, Elevate City is a campus we launched in Sandy Springs in the middle of the pandemic. And they've been in a portable temporary space and they've had to move. And so now they have found a, a temporary spot at First Baptist Sandy Springs. So thank you. First Baptist Sandy Springs or Sandy Springs First Baptist and uh, they're meeting there at five o'clock on Sundays but we want to continue to pray to lock arms because we are one church for them to find a permanent location then the third thing that we wanted to pray for is just we know that you have a personal battle a personal question some personal hopes some personal dreams for 2022 and so we wanted to be able to pray for that as well and and we picked 22 days to fast Uh, we'll miss one meal a day for 22 days simply because we're in the year 2022 and so we would love for you to join us in that journey as we fast. But today, as we talk about following, I want to talk about faith to follow. You know, faith to follow. I mean, it takes faith to follow no matter what you're following. You know, and it seems like we're in a, we're in a day and age where we've lost faith in a lot of things. We used to have faith in a lot of different entities or organizations or people, and it seems like we're losing our faith. And if we're not careful, what happened is we won't have the faith to follow God. And it's going to take faith to follow God. Because if we don't have the faith to follow God, what we're going to do is we're going to sacrifice the power of God on the altar of practicality and tips and techniques and a post-it note kind of faith. Man, we'll substitute man, the life-giving power of the gospel for burden-bearing boredom. Or what we'll do is we'll try to satisfy our God-given appetites through soul-sucking routines. 
you know, when we get to the end of our life, I really believe that we'll look back and we'll want to know that we lived a life of faith, that we made a difference. We found our purpose. We understood why we were here. And that is why we're talking about following Jesus today. So let's grab our Bibles. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is uh, in the New Testament. Turn over towards kind of to almost towards the end of your Bible. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, I'd love for you to grab your phone. Also, we're going to throw the words up on the screen. But Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to start out reading in verse 6. And, uh, and then we're going to unpack this life of faith and following kind of faith right there. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him, meaning God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So let's unpack that. I mean, it says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now that's a pretty big statement, pretty bold statement. If it's something's impossible to do, I mean, it's unwinnable, unattainable, unachievable. And then it, he uses this phrase to please him, to please God. Now, the reality is for all of us, on some level, we're trying to please somebody. You know, I know that you know those people. I know those people are like, I don't, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm not trying to please anybody. I'm not living my life for anybody. I'm just looking out for number one. And, and what they're saying is I'm trying to please me. <laughs> I'm trying to live for me. I'm trying to do the things that will make me happy regardless of what anybody else says. You know, I, I was listening to a story this week of a young man who his earliest memory is at the age of three. And he's playing with the truck and there's some other friends there uh, where he is. And he leaves the truck and goes and does something, comes back to play with the truck and someone else has picked up the truck. And so he begins to have this conversation to, about, hey, can I play with that truck? And the other friend got really angry and frustrated and mad. And his mom comes over to him and says, what did you do? Even though he didn't feel like he'd done anything, he gets blamed in the moment. And he spent the rest of his life just trying to please everybody so that he could please his mom. You know, maybe for you, it's a parent, a mom or a dad, or maybe you always have in your mind's eye a spouse or a kid or a neighbor or some stranger that you don't know who's we call culture, whatever that is. Man, at the end of the day, we're all trying to please somebody. And what if it were possible to please God? Like wherever you are on the spiritual spectrum, you know, whether you're just maybe spiritually unresolved or maybe you're just in the journey. And what would it look like for us to be able to please God? It's just without faith. It's impossible. So, so faith is this component, this missing component in many of our lives where, where we can actually please God. We can actually make God proud. We can actually have God look down on us and smile. See, for most of us, I think we think we're always disappointing God or he's just waiting to smack us or he's angry at us for some reason or that he just doesn't care. But faith makes it possible to actually please God without faith. Man, I wonder what you would put in that blank. Without blank, it's impossible to please God. You know, for some people it's without perfection or without success or without good morals and good behavior. Man, without following the rules, without voting liberal or without voting conservative or without blank, it's impossible to please God. I wonder what you would put in that blank. But the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if this is so critical, if it's so important, we really need to understand exactly what faith is. Like, how do we define faith as, as the Bible would define it? He says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So, so you have these these two components, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, now, for some people, it's almost like 
we say faith is we have a faith. And it's a little a bit like an appliance that you would buy at Costco. You know, you buy your Nutribullet at Costco, you pull it out when you need it, you put it back when you don't. And sometimes this is how we, we actually treat faith. Man, if there's times when I need it, we pull it out. But when I don't need it, we just put it back. And it's not personal and it's not powerful. You know, there's this, uh, because of we are a make it happen kind of culture, we like things to be practical, man. We want to know how to do things. We want it to be relevant. And certainly there's some level of practicality in the Bible, right? I mean, you know, if you want to know how to handle your money, if you want to have a good marriage, if you want to, you know, know how to parent your kids, if you want to be good at relationships, if you want to be successful in building your company, you can, you can get some rules, you can get some practical tips from the Bible, but it doesn't mean you actually have a powerful faith in Jesus. Those two can be separated. And so we have to be careful that we don't sacrifice the power of God on the altar of let's just make it practical. Certainly we want it to matter, but sometimes faith isn't practical, is it? And you, some of you have learned that and we're gonna unpack a little bit of that in just a minute. You know, sometimes we think that, that faith or belief is just this thing I gotta muster up and manufacture just so I can believe. It's a little bit like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. And if we say it enough with enough conviction and enough energy and passion, then it's going to come true. Or what about Polar Express with Hero Boy? If you remember the story, a bell comes off of one of the reindeer and he grabs that bell and he begins to, to shake it and he can't hear anything and he wants to hear it because it seems like everybody else can hear it. And he shakes it up next to it, his ear and he just begins to say, I believe I believe, I believe. And sometimes that's our version of faith. If we just jump in and just try to manufacture it, we actually can believe. And we think that it's just blind faith. That we check our mind, we check our intellect, we check our knowledge at the door. And, and there's nothing further from the truth. Actually, the more we learn, the more we know will drive us more towards faith. Now, now what the author does right here is he gives us these two components of faith and, and I'm going to talk about both of them, but one of them in particular that I really think has the ability to set us free and to see God differently and to see our lives differently. The first one he says is that we must believe that he exists. We, we have to know that God is real, right? We have, to, we, have to, we have to know that God is real. We just have to have this fundamental understanding that, man, even though there's things I don't understand, even though there's things that I can't see, even though there's questions I can't answer, God is real. Now, now we can see this in, in a, several different ways. Number one is just creation. I mean, if you just think about creation for a minute, when you walk out and you see the sunshine and the sunrise or the clouds or the rain or the snow possibly over the weekend, but, but think about even to the human body, man, think about how God takes a handful of cells and he forms them and fashions them and grows them and multiplies them into a human body and a baby's born. And, and just think about how the retina works for crying out loud. Like your retina is full of millions and millions of different kinds of cells. Part of it is the same as the cells in your brain. There's cones and rods and different things that help us to be able to see and to focus and to perceive things that are going on. And as we begin to look at that, it's really hard to imagine that that just happened by chance. And if you begin to investigate the odds and the probabilities, it just compels us to at least acknowledge that there is a God and that God's real. But that's not the only part that our author tells us. We have to believe that, that God exists, but also that he rewards those who seek him. I mean, that God is actually rewarding those who seek him. You know, we look at God sometimes, I think, as an enemy. Maybe he's trying to crush us or hold us back 
or keep us in line, that he takes pleasure in us stepping out of line so that he can punish us. But it says actually he wants to reward us. And that a fundamental way to have a following kind of faith is to believe that God is good. Man, believe that God is good. Like this is a distinguishing characteristic of our God. He is good. Like everything he does is good. Think about all the things that you enjoy and that you love. Man, God did that. Man, the next time you sit down at a meal and you have your favorite meal, whether it's filet mignon or kale, man, just just think, man, God made that for you to enjoy. God made it to nourish your body. God made that because because God's good. And everything that we eat, everything that we see from ESPN to Krispy Kreme donuts to crumble cookies, like God did that because God's good. And there's nothing that he can do that's bad. You know, a lot of things that we know that are good, they have a dark side, don't they? For instance, Oreos can be good, love handles can be bad. And everything, it seems, has some negative outcome if we're not careful, but not God. Man, a distinguishing characteristic is that God is good. And God has good things planned for you. He's created everything that is good, and he's not our enemy and we have to believe that he's good. I mean, I mean, imagine there was, you had a friend or a child or someone and they had this, this doubt about your character. They didn't believe you were good. Um, they actually were suspicious of you. They never said thank you. They were always waiting for you to do something uh, mean or frustrating or angry. Man, you'd treat them a little differently, wouldn't you? If, if, if you didn't know that they cared for you, that they thought you had good in mind, you would treat them differently if they thought you were a bad person. Now, Jesus, Jesus unpacks this in a, in a parable. And in the Bible, a parable is just a story with a point. And so Jesus tells a story that goes like this. It's called the parable of the talents. He says that there was this master, this business owner, who leaves town, and he's going to be gone for an extended period of time. And while he's gone, what he does is he leaves his business in the hands of three of his managers. So to the first one, it says he gives five talents. The talent was roughly $1.5 million. And so, you know, he leaves that amount of money with that one. He leaves two talents with the next one. And he leaves one talent with the third one. And he said each according to their ability. So, so but what, the, what the business owner knew was that they could handle it. Man, they could manage it. They could, they could take care of it. He comes back and he has a, a day of accounting. He does an audit of everything that they've done. So the one who had the five, he's doubled it to 10. And the business owner's like, way to go. Man, let's celebrate together. And he gives him a portion of what he'd earned. He comes to the one who had two talents. He has multiplied it, doubled it to four. And he says, way to go. Man, come in, let's celebrate. And he gives him a portion of it. But But the one talent guy, he took it and he hid it. He put it in a coffee can under his bed just to protect it. And he tells the master, he's like, hey, here here is your one talent back. And the master's like, why why didn't you at least invest it in the bank? Like, why did you hang on to it? Why did you hide it? He said, because I believe that you were angry and mean and that you took where you didn't earn. And I was afraid. And the master said, So you thought I would do that to you if you lost the talent? That's what you think of my character? Let me have that talent and I'll give it to the one who had five because I know that he will will follow in faith. And sometimes we look at that particular parable and we think, ah, it's about how we handle our money. But no, it's not. It's about our belief in who God is. It's our belief in a God who is good, a God who rewards. Now, 
we've all got different, different talents. We've all got different, uh, different things that we can invest in the world. And I don't know what yours is, but maybe, maybe, maybe what God has given you is a talent for relationship. You're just a connector, man. You're a multiplier. You're a maximizer. You know how to get people to do things and you can connect them in, invite them. You always have so many people all around you. Listen, how are you, how are you living by faith? How are you, do you have a following faith when it comes to your relationships? Are you using it to expand the kingdom of God? Or are you just using it to make your life more comfortable and more convenient and more predictable? Like for some of you, you have just this natural ability to earn money. It's like you can look out the window and money just starts running at you. Let me just ask you, like, how, do you have a following faith when it comes to your money, when it comes to your finances? Are you expanding the kingdom? Are you living generously? Are you able to help other people? Do you look to help others before you look to upgrade your lifestyle? Man, for some of us, maybe, maybe the talent God has given you, the ability God's given you is wisdom. You just have this, this, this knack for being able to connect dots that a lot of people can't connect to make good decisions, to see things that people may not can see. How are you using that? How, how, do you have a following faith when it comes to your wisdom? Are you using it, risking it, investing it to help other people, whether it's your neighbors or coworkers or friends or church or other spiritual endeavor? Like how are you using that to expand the kingdom? What Jesus is teaching us Without faith, without believing that God is good, we'll never please God. We have to believe that God is good. This is mandatory, mandatory for us if we're going to have a following kind of faith. Now, this kind of faith is personal, is powerful, and not always practical, okay? This kind of faith is personal because you have your own talents, you have what God has given you. God wants you to use it to, to expand his kingdom to connect with him. It's a, it's a personal faith. It's not an appliance that we can just put in the cabinet and bring it out when we want. Man, it is personal and it's also powerful. Man, this kind of faith, when you believe that God is good, it has the ability, the power to save your marriage. Man, it has the power to release you from addiction. Man, it has the power to encourage you when you're discouraged. It has the power to be able to help you navigate difficult times. It has the power to change your heart and what you want. It has the power to transform you from being selfish to being selfless. Like this is the, this is the power that we have. And we can never sacrifice just this on just the altar of practicality. Now, now that's what the heroes of the faith did. Man, they just had this belief that God is good. And belief actually means to take action. It's not just an intellectual journey. It's an action adventure. And so when we look at the heroes of the faith, man, they took this belief that God was good and they put it into action. Let me, let me just read a couple of examples. It says, by faith, Noah, Noah warned by God concerning events that were unseen in fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and he became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Now, you may remember some of the story of Noah. Uh, maybe you put it in your kids' uh, rooms when they were babies or you've seen toys that, about Noah's ark. But basically, the story goes like this. Noah is a guy living about 500 miles from the ocean. God comes to him and says, listen, 
Everything, everybody around you is worshiping idols. They're selfish, they're rebellious, they're adulterous. So I'm going to destroy them. But you, Noah, you're going to get to live, you, your family, and the animals. Start building a boat. Like, I wonder if Noah even knew what a boat was. Like, that would be like me standing up next Sunday and saying, hey, guys, I know you don't know this, but there's a meteor coming. Don't look up. You remember that movie? Don't look up. But, but what we're going to do, and we're going to build a spaceship, and we're going to fly away before it destroys the earth. Like if I did that, you would ask me, am I going to start serving Kool-Aid too, right? It would just sound crazy. But this is the kind of faith that Noah had. There's another guy named Abraham, and Abraham was one of the fathers of the faith. He says this, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And by faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents, his heirs with him for the same promise. So Abraham, God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, the world doesn't know about me. I need you and your family to go and tell them. If you stay here, nobody else will know. But if you go, the world will be blessed because of your following faith. So Abraham says, God, where do you want me to go? And God said, start walking and when you get there, I'll tell you. <laughs> That's the kind of faith that Abraham had. It's one that we can look at. There's another story in here about Moses. And maybe you've heard of Moses or remember Moses. You know, Moses, the prince of Egypt. Moses, the one who delivered the nation of Israel out of slavery um, from Egypt into the promised land and got them going. Three million Jews. But, but when Moses was born, it was a very difficult time. Because his people were in slavery and they were beginning to overtake in population the nation of Egypt, the Pharaoh or the king of Egypt says, kill every boy that's born because we can't have the continued growth or they'll just be so numerous we can't control them. So every Israelite, every Jewish mom was ordered to kill their baby. But Moses' parents didn't. Moses' parents, it says, by faith, they hid him for three months because they saw that he was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. And when he was grown, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. This is what faith looked like. Man, there's a cool story also about Abraham's wife, Sarah. Abraham's wife, Sarah, was extremely old beyond uh, the age where you have children. And people just looked at her as being cursed by God, as God not caring about her. Maybe she did something wrong, so she didn't have children. But in her old age, she had kids. And it says, by faith, Sarah believed the promises of God. Man, and these are actions where people put their faith into action, where they took risks, where they got uncomfortable, where they moved into places that didn't seem to make sense, that didn't seem practical or even the wise decision and they were commended for it and then he closes out in just a bang because he can't tell all the stories and I just want to read that for us because it's so powerful in verse 32 it says this what shall I say for time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms enforced justice obtained promises stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept relief so that they might rise again to a better life. And then it closes out again and it says, 
In verse 38, it says, of whom the world was not worthy. Not worthy. These were the kind of people. And I love how the author, when he says, he says, by faith, he starts every story of a hero of faith with those two words, by faith. Then he puts in the name and then he fills in the blank with what they did. Man, I wonder how the blank would fill in for you and for me. Like what if we were writing a story and we said, by faith, Stephen, blank. By faith, George, blank. By faith, Linda, blank. Like, like how would the, what would the blank be for you? How would your faithful journey be? By faith, you sacrificed and gave generously so that other people could have life. By faith, you raised your children to follow Jesus in a culture that was anti-Christian. Man, by faith, you took steps to do things that no one else was doing, even though they thought it was weird and odd and it gave you life. By faith, you put other people first and served. By faith, you just began to pray that God would do something undeniable in your lifetime. By faith, you stayed and fought for your marriage. By faith, like what would, what would your blank be? Man, we have, we have so many witnesses that we can look at to inspire us, but hey, we are on deck. Man, man it's our turn. And w- watch the outcome of this kind of faith in Hebrews chapter 12, just as we, we get close to, our, to closing this out for today. In, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, it says this, therefore, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set out before us, looking to Jesus, eyes on Jesus, following Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Like this is the outcome of a belief that God is good. This is the outcome of looking at other people who've gone before us who have the kind of faith that they're calling us to have. It's that we, we put our eyes on Jesus and we begin to live a life of faith based on what he has for us. Man, Jesus, he's our base running coach. Jesus is the one giving directions. Man, Jesus is the one who we elevate. Jesus is the one that we put eyes on. You know, to put eyes on Jesus, there's this implication that there's some other things that we're looking at that we should stop looking at. There's some other things that are getting our attention, that are getting our affection, that have no capacity to bring life, that don't require faith. As a matter of fact, what they're doing is actually robbing us of faith rather than revealing our faith. And we need to be careful that we start looking away from those things that are temporary, those things that are short-sighted, that will short-circuit our faith. Turn our eyes towards Jesus. He's the perfecter of our faith. He's the pioneer of our faith, that he's done everything and he has our good in mind. Man, this is, this is the call of a following faith. Man, man, let me ask you, let me ask you, what, what are you looking at? Like, what, where are your eyes right now? What's getting most of your attention? What's getting most of your affection? And what's getting most of your resources, man? Is it, is it God and things of eternity or is it the world or people or, or toys or hobbies that are actually gonna rob you of the faith? Let me ask you this question as we close out. Do you have a following faith? You know, if people were to examine your faith, 
Examine your belief system. Examine how you live. Examine your actions. Examine how, you, how generous you are. It would examine how you serve other people. And if they were to examine the, the way that you made decisions, the way that you took jobs, the way that you entered into relationships, like what would people say? What do you have? Do you have a following kind of faith? The kind of faith that believes God is good and that he rewards people who seek after him? Man, or do you have a faith that's just focused on the tips and techniques and the post-it note version of Christianity? Man, God has a, has a life for you to live of power. He has a life for you to live of purpose. Man, he doesn't want you to sacrifice that by turning your eyes towards anything else. Do you have a following faith? Man, man do you consider God before anything else? Any decision that you make to take a job, how you're gonna handle money, how are you going to handle relationships? And man, do you, do you consider what God would say before anything else? And do you consider others before yourself? Do you consider others as more important than you? Do you consider others before yourself? And these are the outcome of a following kind of faith. Let's pray together. God, we know that you've called us not to have a faith that's stale and static and boring and risk-free, convenient or comfortable. But God, a faith that, that changes our surroundings, that changes our heart, that focuses on eternity. God, that we turn our eyes towards Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And God, that we would have eyes to follow. God, we would have faith to follow, that we would believe that you are good and that you're gonna reward us. God, I just pray for people who are just in this journey of faith, trying to figure out what, is, what it means. And they've got some preconceived ideas, some misconceptions about who you are and about the way you operate. And they've been wrong that, about the, your heartbeat towards them because they don't necessarily think that you're good. God, you just begin to show them that everything is for, is for their good. God, I pray that for us as we, as we make decisions and we take faith steps, God, as we take risks, that we would take them knowing that you're, you're going to reward us, God, that you have good for us even when we can't see it, even when our vision is cloudy or foggy, God. And we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.